This is a podcast about Jeopardy. Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Emily. And I'm Kyle. (laughs) And this is the week of October 16th, 2023. We're going to wrap up the spades quadrant of the wildcard season and start the diamonds. And before we get into ending a tournament by sending someone to another tournament, Emily, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you. The world is kind of crazy. My professional life is kind of crazy, but I'm going to marry some people tomorrow. So that's nice. You're getting married? Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) I am marrying Sean and Vicky. Congrats, Sean (laughs) and Vicky. (laughs) Yep. Congrats, Sean and Vicky. They're getting married. Yeah. And I went to see my grandmother in Rhode Island. She is 90 years old. Turned 90 over the summer. We hung out. She took me to the diner she used to go to with my grandfather. It was nice. We had a nice little visit. A nice little visit in another state. Yeah. East Coast is so weird. Yeah, it's a three-hour drive. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Still in a holding pattern, mm. professionally. Mm. Which is less than ideal, but I am also not in charge of making it happen. I just get to wait. And Your new employer I- is too busy with all of the work that they have to do to onboard the new to people. Onboard, <laughs> yeah, to bring on the person who will help with the work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make it less work for them. I guess maybe pro- probably that's hope- the that's the impression yeah. I get anyway. So yeah. There's that. But otherwise, you know, things are going good. My older daughter turned 7 this week. Happy and, birthday. And 7 feels big. Yeah. 7 is big. I'm not sure why it feels so much bigger than 6 felt, but Yeah. I don't know. It's like in my mind like she's She's not really a little kid anymore. She's a kid, but not like a little kid. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. But she's awesome. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's how I'm doing. But we're not really here to talk about us. I mean, we kind of are, because like, what is podcasting if not? I'm here to talk about me. Yeah. (laughs) But we are here to talk about Jeopardy. So we will begin with Monday, October 16th, as we often do, at least when (laughs) October 16th is a Monday. (laughs) When we have the contestants, Dane Rygard, a writer and editor from Los Angeles, California. Kendra Blanchett, a registered dietitian from Elk Grove, California. And Josh Sack, a traffic engineer from Boise, Idaho. This is semifinal game two. We had semifinal game one on Friday when Sam Stapleton punched his ticket to the finals. Mm Mm-hmm. We have the Jeopardy round categories. This gland is your gland. A prequel to which movie? British spelling bee. I didn't come here to make friends. Kicking Aztec. And taking names. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Yep. You know, the I didn't come here to make friends category came out and I got a little misty because like none of us really went to Jeopardy to make friends. But we all do. <laughs> the real Jeopardy is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I I hope that doesn't put us in jeopardy. Yeah. Josh gave a number of correct responses in this gland is your gland category, but he gave them to the wrong clues. Um. That's, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. Which is to say that on two occasions, he guessed something that was the correct response at a different level, but the incorrect response to the, the clue they were on. Uh, the $1,000 level, this tiny organ in the brain secretes melatonin and could be rated PG. He tried what's the pituitary gland? That is the pineal gland. That was a triple stumper. Then at the $800 level, Robert Wadlow's overactive this gland, there was a picture, he was really tall, cranked enough growth hormone to make him 8 feet 11 inches tall. Josh tried what is thyroid? That one is the pituitary. Kendra got the rebound. And then at the $600 level, there was a clue that nobody tried about the thyroid. So all of his wrong guesses ended up being correct somewhere else. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. He knows the names of glands. He knows of glands. Mm-hmm. Yep. This whole time, I thought that Brits just pronounced aluminum strangely, but it turns out they also spell it wrong. Oh, yes. Al- aluminium. I knew they pronounced it aluminium, and I was like, why are they pronouncing it that way? There's no I there. Oh, but there is, don't <laughs> you see? They put an I there. Well, if you look very closely, there is an I. There's always been an I. Mm. The Americans are just in such a rush all the yeah. time. There's, that's, that, there's a um, Parks and Rec joke. Oh, okay. About aluminum. Wait, say it again. It's aluminum. The prequel category, I was expecting it to be actual prequels, and it was just jokes. Yep. Such as, conceived on the 4th of October, to this 1989 biopic that's born on the 4th of July. The somewhat impressive six, the magnificent seven. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And we had a a rough triple stumper at the thousand dollar level of kicking Aztec. The Aztecs founded two cities where Mexico City now stands, Tlatelolco, and this one, their capital. Kendra said, "What is Tenochtitlan?" And Josh said, "What is Tecnochichlan?" <laughs> which is incorrect. And they they determined that Kendra left a T out of Tenochtitlan, which is a hard one to pronounce for English speakers and not Nahuatl speakers. But I felt bad for, for you know, both of them because, like, they, they could see it in their Clearly heads. Clearly knew it, yeah. It. Knew it, but couldn't quite get the pronunciation. Daily Double number one is in and taking names, the $600 level. It's pick number 20 and Kendra finds it. She's at 2600 with Josh at 1400 and Dane at 3200 She makes it a true daily double, which is the right move in this situation. And she gets the clue, Matoaka, Amunute, and Rebecca Rolf. Hey, things happen fast in the 17th century. And she gets it correct. That is other names of Pocahontas. I think in most of the responses here, the correct response is the new name Mm -hmm. but i'm not sure if that's true across the board whether that's true here but anyway pocahontas is the correct response so she doubles up and at the end of the jeopardy round josh is at a thousand kendra is at 4600 dean is at 4400 and the double jeopardy categories are oh brother where art thou in the baseball team's lineup the literary character who said you do the math, want to make something out of it, and change a letter. Each correct response will move from one vowel to another. The example they give is dilly-dally. 
I, I think I remember this category. Yeah. I remember Fiddle Faddle. And like... I mean, if they've TikTok done a lot was of like in... change of letter things. but Yeah, if TikTok was in the original iteration of this, it can't be that old, right? You Do the Math was the rare like actual computation category. Yeah, they don't often have that. Usually it's something else. It, yep. It's kind of like math adjacent or like wordplay almost with letters and numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh knows his math. Oh, he ran it. Right? In a but, disjointed way, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Josh got all of these, but I don't know if they recognized it because, you know, we left and came back to this category a couple of times. And the one that got him some recognition from Ken was the $1,200 level. It's 44 plus 7 minus 23 times 10 divided by 2, which is 140. And he was he was right there. He rang in fast. Now, there are no parentheses. So are you supposed to do it in the order that they tell you to do it? I think so. Because that would be 51, 28, 280. Divided by 2 is 140. Yep. Yeah. But if you did 23 times 10, 230 divided by 2. 115. And then 44 plus 7 is 51 minus 115. That's not 140. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think because... Pem does. I think because they've like written it out in yeah. words. I guess. You probably don't have to follow the order of operations. At the $800 level of want to make something out of it, the prototype of his cube was made of 27 wooden blocks. It took him a month to solve it. Dane got that one. That is Rubik. And we talked about Rubik in a deep dive I did a while back. You can find yes. that in the back catalog if you want to learn more about him. And his cube. And his cube. And the hobby of cubing. Yeah. Cubing indeed. There's a cubing club at my son's middle school. <laughs> nerds. <laughs> <laughs> they are nerds. Yes, it's a it's a nerdy school. <laughs> that formed last year. Apparently there were just a bunch of kids who like kept showing up at the principal's office with their Rubik's cubes to petition for a cubing club until they were annoying enough that it was easier to form the cubing club than to <laughs> keep dealing with them. Fine. Just get find a sponsor <laughs> so that you go to another room. Daily Double number two is in the literary character who said at the $1,600 level. Kendra finds it. She's at 8200 Josh is at 5400 Dane's at 5600 She wagers 3200 Gets the clue. What did it matter where you lay once you were dead? You were sleeping the big sleep, and you were not bothered by things like that. And she guesses who is Sam Spade, thinking of the big sleep, but the detective there is Philip Marlowe. Mm -hmm. instead of yep. Sam Spade. And Daily Double number three is in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? At the $2,000 level, Dane finds it. It's pick number 18. He's at 7,600, right behind Josh, who's at 7,800. And Kendra is a little bit behind the two of them at 5,800. Dane wagers 2,000. And he gets the clue, Zoinks, thou findest thyself at this South American country's border with Panama. And he correctly responds, Colombia. I don't know what the word Zoinks is doing in that clue. Do you? Oh, brother, where art thou? I 
Zoinks is not what I would think of as a word that goes along with thou, but yeah. whatever. I would say like zounds or something. Anyway, yeah. At the end of the double jeopardy round, Josh is at 12,200. Kendra is at 10,200. Dane's at 14,400. It's very close. Final Jeopardy category is the Nobel Prize in Physics, and the clue is Barry Barish, who shared, not to be confused with Barry, who shared the <laughs> 2017 different name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who shared the 2017 prize for detecting gravitational waves? Called his award a win for this predecessor. Kendra guessed who is Newton. That's incorrect. Wagered five thousand. Josh got it correct. With who is Einstein? Who had predicted them in a thought experiment, but was unable to prove them. He got it correct. He wagered 2205. And Dane also wrote who is Newton and wagered 7000. So that means that Josh moves on to the finals. Mm -hmm. And on Tuesday, the contestants are Lucy Ricketts, a book designer and freelance illustrator from Atlanta, Georgia. Daniel Wynn, a high school math teacher and doctoral student from San Jose, California, and Joe Feldman, a technology professional from Bethesda, Maryland. And the Jeopardy round categories are the Mamas and the Papas, B-Girls with B in quotation marks, Dust to Dust, Countdown, Sort Through the Word Problem, and Animals in Italian. Sort Through the Word Problem was funny. <laughs> I enjoyed those because it's it's very much like non sequitur kind of questions. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought those. I think that's clever. Yeah, yeah, no, they're fun. Sally has a third of a Fifth Avenue candy bar. Eddie has seven eighths of Mister Good Bar. Both are made by this company. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel tried with Mars, but those are those are both made by Hershey. Indeed. So yeah, it looked like it was setting up like a math problem, and then it would pivot to. <laughs> something qualitative about one of the one of the things mentioned in the setup mm. or something like that it was fun the 800 dollars level of countdown there was a miss and a rebound the 12 days of christmas gifts seven swans a swim in six geese a laying five these and joe tried what are golden eggs my son also shouted out golden eggs from the other room it's not golden eggs lucy got the rebound it is five golden rings Yes. Apparently there is evidence suggesting that the five golden rings are also birds. Birds. I mean, it would fit with the theme. Right. Yeah. I don't remember where I encountered it first, but I'm seeing it in a Mental Floss article now as I fact check myself. Good evidence suggesting that five golden rings is a reference to either the yellowish rings around a pheasant's neck or gold spinks, an old name for the goldfinch. Interesting. Um, yeah, which makes a lot more sense than, you know, switching from birds to rings and then back to birds. Yeah. Birds, 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 birds. Jewelry? Birds, 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 birds. <laughs> People. And of course, I always wonder to myself whether the true love is giving <laughs> another round of each on the each new day, or are we are we just recounting recapping the things from the previous days, right? Like Right. Does, Second day of does, Christmas, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Do you now have two? Do you end up with 12 partridges in 12 pear trees? I don't know. There's no way of knowing. Yeah. Anyway, it's a lot of birds. It's a lot of birds. Too many birds. <laughs> it's too many birds. Yes. Especially the geese. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't That's know if a it's, lot of geese. Yeah. I don't know if it's six geese just one time or if it's six geese for seven days for a total of 42 geese but it's too many geese either way 
Daily double number one is in dust to dust at the $800 level. Lucy finds it. She's up to 2400 at pick number seven. Joe's at negative 800. Daniel's at 600. And she bets it all. Gives a clue. In a poem named for him, Richard Kipling calls this man a limpin' lump of brick dust. And Lucy does not know. She guesses, who is Kim? That's Gunga Din. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Joe's at 2,800. Daniel is at 3,200, tied with Lucy, who's also at 3,200. Uh, double Jeopardy categories are the Mountain West, Summer Olympic Cities, World Riders, Weeders Digest, Astrology Time, and Three-Letter Words. Olympic Cities are one of those things that I know I ought to put the work in, but I don't want to. There are so few of them. I could yet, learn them. Yeah. But I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's fair. There are some things yeah, that I look at, I'm just like, man, I do not, I just can't motivate myself to care about that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I can't bring myself to care about a list of pairs of dates and city names. And so, like, for the ones where there's, like, a story that I can kind of hang it on where it's like in, you know, in this year, this thing was happening and mm -hmm. that connects with the Olympics that were there. Like, sure. But right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. If there's a story to it, it it's easier to remember. Yeah. But Here as a list of items of information, I just can't quite get myself to put the work in to retain it. I did flashcards of Olympic cities for a little bit, but then I immediately forgot them all when I stopped drilling them regularly because right yeah because you had nothing to connect it to yep mm -hmm. i didn't know that dandelion came from the french for lion's tooth but oh yeah now that i now that i know it Makes it's right there dent de yeah. lion although the tooth yeah dent is and the tooth i could see kind of saying it looks kind of like a lion's mane you know before it turns into its puff ball yeah yeah, I don't see that a dandelion looks like a lion's tooth, but like looking at the word, I'm like, oh yes, I see it. You know, I see, I see the right, right, right. yeah, the I see French. the you see yeah, the I see there, yeah. yeah, I see the French daily double number two is actually the very first pick of the round, and it is in summer Olympic cities, which I have I've come out swinging on, not caring. <laughs> I guess a daily double would really make you care. It's at the sixteen hundred dollar level. Joe finds it, and the scores are right where we left them because it's the first pick. So he makes it a true daily double with 2,800, and he gets the clue. This city between Lake Maloran and the Baltic Sea hosted the 1912 Olympics. And he tries Berlin, but it's Stockholm. Yeah. Yeah. Would have gone a little bit farther north yeah. than Berlin, but it's, a, it's not, a, not the worst guess. Daily double number three is in astrology time at the $2,000 level. Pick number 13. Lucy finds this one. She is in a significant lead at 13,200. Joe's at negative 3,200. Daniel is at 2,800. And she wagers 6,000. I like the, like the guts. The clue is, according to astrology, we are influenced not only by the planets, but also by these objects, like Pallas and Vesta. And she really stretches her time out and kind of says, what are the star stars? <laughs> and Ken is just like, no, no, they're asteroids. Yeah. <laughs> he, he rules her incorrect when it's clear that she's not getting to the right word. Um, but those are, those are asteroids. So she drops yeah. back down. Mm -hmm. 
And at the end of the double jeopardy round, Lucy's in a locked position with 11,600, Daniel at 4,800, Joe at 400. The final Jeopardy category is military history, and the clue is a 1918 article titled Do Not Shoot at These said hunters were interfering with the U.S. Signal Corps' training of them. Joe tried what are airplanes and thanked Ken or thanked, you know, I don't know, Jeopardy. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Me. Yes. And he wagered everything, so he drops to zero. It's not airplanes. Daniel tried water blimps. That's also incorrect. And shouted out his mom. He didn't wager anything, so he stays at 4,800. And Lucy got it correct with what are pigeons? Yep. Yeah. Like carrier pigeons or whatever. Yeah. Carrier or homing pigeons. Yeah. And she didn't wager anything. Didn't want to risk her lock. So she will be back for the finals. Which begin on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And we have the finalists, Lucy Ricketts, Josh Sack, and Sam Stapleton, who have already been introduced numerous times on the show. We get the Jeopardy round categories, the 1600s, a day at the races, dining out in New York. Ooh, look, shiny things. Smoke, in quotation marks, and mirrors. We had a rare $200 triple stumper in mirrors. Minimum mm-hmm. number of mirrors needed to make a kaleidoscope. Apparently that's two. I somehow got in my head that it was three. I was like, yeah, it's like a kind of triangular thing, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never uh, made a kaleidoscope. Yeah, me neither. But I guess you can do it with two. Mm-hmm. Good to know. I liked the dining out in New York category because I knew all the answers. <laughs> and that's the way that a category is good. <laughs> That's, yes. That is the one criterion. The one criterion. But yeah. And I've been to three of these establishments. The $600 level, enjoy the raw bar at the Oyster Bar, an institution at this transportation hub since 1913. That is at Grand Central Station. Lucy got that one. That's the Grand Central Oyster Bar, which I love the Grand Central Oyster Bar. We used to go there every Christmas Eve after I finished doing my church services. Oh, that's cool. We didn't have anywhere to go, you know, like we weren't taking a train anywhere, but like Grand Central Oyster Bar, like, I don't know. It's it's fancy, but it's not stuffy. Like, sure. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool place with like a sort of, you know, historic vibe. I like it there. I've eaten at the Tribeca Grill before, which is at the $800 level. And I don't think I knew when I ate there that Robert De Niro was the co-owner. Interesting. But that's that's I, cool. Yeah. I did very bad in the day at the races. <laughs> so it was a bad category. <laughs> it was a bad category. Who, who knows or cares about any of this? <laughs> Well, we know that there is at least one listener of the podcast who knows and cares very much about it. Yes, that's true. Hi, Rowan. Uh, so, hi, Rowan. So, <laughs> people people know and care. Yeah. Yes. Were you privy to any of the who cares about Taylor Swift, like, tantrum somebody was throwing yeah, on a yeah, 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 farm? Yeah. yeah. I, I was, I, I observed a bit of that. Yeah. Who cares? My, if, yeah. My favorite response was somebody who was making fun of, making fun of him posted, who cares about rhombuses, which was another learned league question at season. Yeah. Anyway, people, people do care very much about, about races. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, about I, a lot of things. And I'm, that's fine. I'm embarrassed that I just read an entire novel about a racehorse and horse racing and still didn't know any of these. Hmm. You should be embarrassed, yeah. That yeah. Sounds really embarrassing. Well, I mean, maybe Geraldine Brooks should be embarrassed. Because, like... Yeah, Geraldine <laughs> Brooks. Yeah. It's really... She did teach me about the Beatles. Like, the skeleton the, preparation Beatles. The... Oh, yeah. Right. The, the flesh-eating Beatles. Yeah. Yes. But That's not... what you took away from that story. <laughs> well, you know, and about slavery and the Civil War. But she did not teach me that the quarter pole is two furlongs before the finish line. I had to learn that from Lucy. That doesn't make any sense. What's a furlong? Just clearly, it's a measure of distance. Clearly, <laughs> thank you, thank you. But That's it's very, very but helpful. apparently it's is it is it one third of a racetrack? Like I don't. Why is it a quarter pole if there are two measures left? Mm-hmm. What what are you doing, horses? Never trust a horse to measure things. A furlong is an eighth of a mile. Okay. So two furlongs is a quarter, is a quarter of, a mile, of a mile. Which seems relevant. Oh, maybe the quarter pole is a quarter mile. Yeah. Maybe that's what that means. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry, horses. My bad. You can measure things again. <laughs> the horses don't forgive you. I mean, we've got um, some work to do anyway, but that's yeah. that's not for the podcast. That's yeah. a different story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Daily double number one is at the $800 level of the 1600s. It is pick number six and Lucy finds it. She is at 400 with Sam at 800 and Josh at 1600. Oh, that's so pleasing. It is. Isn't it? Ah, that's delightful. mm Mm-hmm. Our doubles are, are going to get messed up here because Lucy wagers a thousand. I guess, you know, this, the scores were going to change anyway. But for a moment, the scores are so pleasing. Lucy wagers a thousand and she gets the clue. After hoarding food rations, he and his son were kept at bay literally by mutineers who set them adrift in 1611. And she figures it out. It's Henry Hudson. Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Sam is at 4,600. Josh is at 5,000. And Lucy is at 4,400. And the double jeopardy categories are in crisis mode. You shouldn't have left the couch. Rock and roll bookstore. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They're going to need the complete name of the people in the responses. A fabric aided category and three little birds. There were two musicians at the top of the Abraham, Isaac and Jacob category, which is I appreciated. $800 born in Ukraine in 1920. This American violin virtuoso led a 60s fight to save Carnegie Hall from demolition. That's Isaac Stern. Mm-hmm. They had a picture, and I knew I was not looking at Itzhak Perlman. Right. That's. I think that might be part of part of the reason they put a picture. Yeah. Because like Itzhak is Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. you'd be tempted to go with Itzhak Perlman. But yeah, Isaac Stern, the other big violin name of that of that generation and then the 400 dollars clue i'm just talking about this composer who won a 1971 oscar for best original song for theme from shaft that's isaac hayes pretty Mm -hmm. pretty cool guy also the voice of chef in south park yes do you remember the drama when he quit over yeah i believe it was over the scientology over scientology yeah yeah yep 
<laughs> episode of, <laughs> where they just kind of like laid out <laughs> laid out the ideas with a uh, script at the bottom that said this is what they actually believe. Uh-huh. I do recall that. Yes. Yep. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> so they were like, "Oh, chef died. Bummer." Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think first they did like an episode where they just like pieced together lines that he had already recorded from other episodes, Maybe, which they yeah. like had a legal right to do. It's like mm-hmm. a whole thing. Josh got so close at the $1,600 level of a fabricated category. This woven fabric used for suits sounds like a poetic contraction referencing the future. Josh tried what is tweed, but it's twill. Twill. Twillby. Mm-hmm. Daily Double number two is in the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob category at the $1,200 level. It's pick number three. Lucy uncovers it. She is at 8000 Sam's at 4600 Josh is at 5000 She wagers 4000 which I like. Gets a clue. He won the 1984 Best Actor Oscar for a movie named for a different character. And she starts with, who is Abe Vigo? No. And stops. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which is incorrect. They were looking for F. Murray Abraham and Amadeus, and apparently she knew it. She mm-hmm. whispers it, but too bad for Lucy drops 4,000. Yeah. And Daily Double number three is pick number 15 at the $2,000 level of In Crisis Mode. Sam finds this one. He's at 8,200 with Josh at 11,400 and Lucy at 5,600, and he wagers 4,000 of it, looking to take the lead. And he gets the clue. The first armed UN peacekeeping force was established on November 7th, 1956, in response to this Mideast crisis. And he gets it correct. It is the Suez crisis. Uh, So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Sam's at 12,600, Josh is at 16,600, and Lucy's at 9,200. The final jeopardy category is natural landmarks. The clue, the Washburn-Langford-Doan expedition, happened upon it in 1870 and named it for the regularity of its activity. And they all got it. I did think that this was a pretty gettable one. That's Old Faithful. Lucy mm-hmm. adds 5,000, goes up to 14,200. Sam adds 2,600, up to 15,200. And Josh adds 8,600, going up to 25,200. So Josh has a good lead going into day two of this total point affair. Mm-hmm. Day two, of course, being Thursday, October 19th. Same contestants, new Jeopardy categories. It's our turn to sack Rome. Rocketman, isms, culinary quotes, anti-up, but it's anti-like, you know, your mother's sister, your parents, your parents, like an aunt, like or, not, or an uncle. Auntie. <laughs> auntie. Auntie up. But the pun doesn't work if you say auntie up. True. And let's play cards. Okay. I wonder if Lucy played Pokemon cards. Hmm. The $800 level energy and trainer cards are two of the three types in the trading card version of this game. Make sure you have a good fit. It's Pokemon. There there have to be, there has got to be an addendum to the rules. Because if, at this point, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, we pulled out our old collection, like my brother and I pulled out our old collection of Pokemon cards with the original rule booklet. And that set of rules is terribly vague. It does not really explain how to play the game really at all. Hmm. If you're approaching it as an adult who's like, okay, but what about this situation? 
what specific steps like when you're a kid it makes sense because it's like oh yeah i put this card out and then we do that and yay yeah pokemon right <laughs> <laughs> but there's like a professional scene so i assume all of the rules and interactions have been hammered out mm-hmm. i just need to find out yeah yeah i don't know what i can tell you is that my son has a whole system with his friends of playing Pokemon cards, which when he explained it to his uncle, his uncle was like, that's not correct, but okay. <laughs> I can, You know, that's kind of how I felt the last time looking at it when we pulled it out and tried to actually play the game it was like, yeah, this doesn't seem right, but it's the closest thing I can figure out, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. The term botulism comes from the Latin for sausage. We learned at the $800 level of isms. Good. Yeah. It's good to associate that now. Thanks, Jeopardy. <laughs> Thanks. And, yeah. Also in isms, we ended the round with the rare $200 triple stumper. So not you know. as rare anymore, I guess. Yep. <laughs> the belief in the need to secure rights and opportunities for women equal to those of men. And nobody tried it. Ken said, hate to break this to you, but that's just feminism. <laughs> oh, uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's been a while since somebody said to me, I'm not a feminist, but. But. Uh, but it does come up sometimes. And like, I just. Mm, Sometimes I choose violence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why not exactly? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what would be, what, what is so terrible? What is so unacceptable about the recognition that people are people? Yep. I want to talk about blue base, but I don't really have anything to say about it. It's just a fun word. It is a fun word. Should I just go with daily double? Yeah. yeah. All right. Daily double number one is in auntie up. <clears throat> auntie up. At the $1,000 level, pick number seven. Lucy finds this one as well. She's pretty good at finding them. She's at 1800 Sam is at 400 Josh is at 800 She bets it all. Gets a clue. Betsy Trotwood is great aunt and guardian to this Dickens title character. And she knows that's David Copperfield. So she gets ahead at the end of the Jeopardy round. Sam's up to 4600 Josh is at 4800 And Lucy is at 6000 Double Jeopardy categories are philosophies in a nutshell presidential actors question mark music terms house hunters intergalactic air apparent air and unk in the trunk i feel like that goes well with auntie up okay the 1200 dollars level of music terms mm-hmm. string players debate how much of this technique to use a little adds warmth too much and you get the nanny goat effect they had a recording playing that was supposed to demonstrate it do you mm-hmm. remember the recording I don't. Okay. The recording sounded to me like tremolo. I mean, I, I could tell from hmm. the words that they intended to indicate vibrato. But as a hmm. violinist, I am not convinced that that was a recording of... Of someone playing re- with vibrato Yeah, of really exaggerated vibrato. It sounded like it could have been tremolo to me. Huh. Well, I mean, the I, the big difference between those two techniques is that vibrato changes the pitch, whereas yeah. tremolo does not. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I, I wish yeah. I could remember it specifically, because I, 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 I don't. Yeah. All right. I might still have it on my DVR. I could, I could be wrong, but it was a weird sounding vibrato. Maybe it was a, just a super exaggerated vibrato. Mm-hmm. 
but interesting yeah i was i was i was like wait a minute like that the recording doesn't match my question is how much do string players really debate that now there's a yeah huge debate i know there was in the 1800s yeah i have not especially experienced string players debating that no it's kind of just yeah just like with flute players like it is expected that you will vibrato mm-hmm. pretty much all the time yeah and there's kind of a standard yeah anyway vocalists maybe like maybe but that really just depends on the style yeah and what and what naturally fits into your voice Mm -hmm. yes yeah the two thousand dollar level of air apparent pm is short for this which can be composed of soot smoke or dust in the air that's particulate matter and it's a two thousand dollar clue and i think it would have made sense as a two thousand dollar clue like a year ago (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> sure. We all we all had to become particulate matter experts for a while. Yes, we I did. Live. So maybe also where you live, right? I, I think not everybody I mean, had to of, become a particulate matter expert. I will say it wasn't as bad here, not in the way it got <clears throat> out east. Yeah. And also in California. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, now now it feels a little basic for two thousand to me. But mm-hmm. you know, I think I would have accepted it as a two thousand dollar level clue without question a while back. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's, uh, yeah. I have nothing else. Okay, cool. Daily double number two is in House Hunters Intergalactic. It's at the two thousand dollar level, and Josh finds it at pick number twenty one. He's at twelve thousand eight hundred with Sam at eleven thousand and Lucy at ten thousand eight hundred. Close scores. He wagers seventy two hundred, and he gets the clue. Want land? Buying on this moon of Saturn is a no brainer. Its thirty two hundred mile diameter is bigger than Mercury, and he gets it correct. It's Titan. And daily double number three is pick number 25 in Philosophies, in a nutshell, at the $1,600 level. Sam finds this one, so they all got one. He's at 12200 Josh is up to 20000 and Lucy is at 12000 And he wagers 10000 It's the time to go for it. It's the clue, this man who died around 347 BC said we perceive examples of things, not their ideal form. And he knows it's one of them. <laughs> and he guesses who is Aristotle, but it is in fact Plato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he had a little quip when he got the $2,000 level about Hobbes and materialism. That could have been mm-hmm. a daily double, he said. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So at the end of the Double Jeopardy round, Josh is at 22000 which puts him in a lock tournament position if he can do math, which we know that he can. Sam's at 5,000, Lucy is at 11,600, and the final Jeopardy category is names. And the clue is the name Jennifer is an alteration of this name that in early Welsh literature belonged to the first lady of the island. Sam wrote, what happens if Josh pulls a Cliff Clavin? (laughs) Which is a reference to Cheers. Cheers. Yes. Yes. And Ken gets the joke, but calls Sam out on if Josh pulls a cliff claim and then Sam should attempt to actually answer the question correctly. So, mm-hmm. yeah, which fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Sam didn't wager anything, though, so it's moot. Lucy was the only one to figure this out. What is Guinevere? Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And she wagered 5,500, giving her 17,100 for the game. 
And Josh wrote, what is Reagan? That is his daughter's name. And he didn't wager anything. Oh. He knew he didn't need it need to so the cumulative score is josh wins the two-day total point affair with forty-seven thousand two hundred. so he is the tournament champion he gets a hundred thousand dollars and a spot in the tournament of champions lucy with a total score of thirty-one thousand three hundred, is the first runner-up she gets fifty thousand and sam with twenty thousand two hundred, is the second runner-up and will take home 25k not bad no and that brings us to friday when we have the first game of the diamonds sector with the contestants Kristen Husick, an attorney from Washington, D.C., William Chu, a foreign policy think tank research fellow from Chevrolet, Maryland, and Dave Pai, a field application scientist originally from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. The Jeopardy round categories are We Made It, Just in Time, Sports Around the World, Not Your Average Opera, Body language and Halloween costume ideas. Three triple stumpers at the two hundred dollar level. Un- unheard of. I thought the the two hundred dollar level of we made it was unless there's something I'm missing here. I thought this was maybe too tricky for this level. Sinjo and Toshitada Doi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing those names right played a role in changing the music industry when this product debuted in 1982. Dave tried what is a synthesizer, William tried what is a Walkman, but it's the compact disc. And yeah, yeah something from 1982 that changed the music industry with some names that don't seem like yeah, I, I especially don't... well-known right. names. I'm trying to think like Sinjo or Toshida uh, and it's like, I don't know. I don't recognize yeah. those names. They don't point me to Compact Disc. 1982, mm-hmm. I think, by itself is not necessarily enough to just say, oh, yeah, that's that's the CD for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I think, maybe should have been at a higher dollar level. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And just in time, school teacher Justin Morgan lent his name to a breed of this animal developed in the U.S. in the 1800s. Nobody <laughs> tried that. That is a horse. Um, a Justin horse. I, yes. Yeah, Morgan horse. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Developed. <laughs> we developed this breed of animal. Yeah. So interesting choice of words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess nobody went through a horse girl phase. Uh, none of these contestants. I don't know. Maybe, but I was like, oh, yeah, a Morgan horse. <laughs> Never seen one in person, but my horse girl phase could could never miss this one. There was a uh, couple of triple stumpers in the average, or not the average opera category, which mm-hmm. the two hundred, four hundred, and six hundred dollar clues you didn't need to didn't need to know much about opera really, or didn't need to know it at all because you just needed to get the like the subject of them. So the 200 was Mm -hmm. about Malcolm X, 400 was Jerry Springer. Never heard of that opera. (laughs) Apparently it took London by storm in 2001. I feel like it did not stand the test of time, but who knows? And Kafka was the 600. The 800, I thought, I was kind of surprised it was a triple stumper. Sister Aloysius suspects Father Flynn of Elizabeth X in an opera version of this John Patrick Shanley play. That's Doubt, which I I feel like Doubt is a fairly well-known. Yeah 
play and movie and I and apparently an opera. Yeah. I didn't know it was an opera, but I didn't yeah, either, I thought, but I knew it yeah. was out. Like, <laughs> and then the thousand dollar clue, Nixon in China. Love me some John Adams. Mm, yeah. It's a great one. It is it is a good opera. There's good music in it. Yeah. I don't know the opera, but I did remember that there is an opera composer named John Adams. So there is that one. He also wrote Doctor Atomic. Mm. Which I think is probably a little less what's the word I'm looking for? Gripping, engaging than the recent Oppenheimer film. But maybe, you know, it could be argued. I'm just kidding. Opera is never as engaging. Daily Double number one is in sports around the world. It's at the $1,000 level, and Dave finds it at pick number 20. He is at 4,000 with William at 400 and Kristen at 4,200, and he makes it a true Daily Double. And his clue is a combination of sport, dance, and martial art. Capoeira. Am I saying that right? Cap- yeah, Capoeira. Yeah, basically. Yeah, is, is popular in this country where it was created. And he gets it correct. It's Brazil. Yes. Yeah. And at the end of the Jeopardy round, Dave is still in the lead with 11,200. William is at 1,200. And Kristen is at 4,200. And the double Jeopardy categories are Old England, old with an E. Amy Poehler is awesome. And they have a Jeopardy category about her. What's next? Family drama, houseplants, and good PR. PR is in quotation marks there. Amy Poehler is awesome. Yeah. I got a little carried away with it starts with PR at the $2,000 level. It's the beef that Laurie's restaurants are famous for serving. And I was like, PR beef pot roast. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's not pot roast. It's prime rib. Kristen got it. Yeah, I would much rather have prime rib than pot roast. Yeah. <laughs> any day of the week. It's true. Prime rib is our go-to Christmas meal. Mm, nice. Because um, well, I think it was when I was a kid and we when we lived in Virginia, I think for some reason, prime rib was always like on sale around Christmas time. So it just became like, oh, okay. we just eat prime rib on Christmas, which I am absolutely okay with. Like I'm turkey's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Ham's okay. But prime rib. Prime rib. Strongly suggest if anyone is looking for a replacement holiday meal. Mm-hmm. Prime rib, French onion soup. Mm. What? That mm. sounds great. It's amazing. It's so good. It is really good. And then, you know, all the sides. You have your, your veggies and your mashed potatoes and your bread and your salads and all that. But like. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, I know what we're having for Christmas dinner. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't blame you. Nobody knew. The twelve hundred, sixteen hundred, or two thousand dollar levels of Amy Poehler. The sixteen hundred dollar level—that's one of my favorite movies. Amy Poehler's performance was pure joy in this twenty fifteen Pixar film. That's Inside Out. Yeah, I love that one. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. You had to figure out that, like, pure joy is like you—you—you you, you had to find the clue there. Right, joy is capitalized. That's her character. Yeah. I mean, if none of them have kids, then maybe they wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. Being a more recent kids film. But it's true. Reminder of Pavlov's in the old England category, twelve fifteen is the Magna Carta. Doesn't mm-hmm. really matter what the clue says if twelve fifteen comes up. It's probably just yeah. the Magna Carta. Yep. And then if there's a Henry, I guess, fighting in a battle, 
It's the Wars of the Roses. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Just below that clue, we get Daily Double number two. It's at the $1,600 level in Old England. Uh, it's only the second pick of the round. So the scores are pretty much the same as they were, uh, except Dave is at 12,400, William's at 1,200, and Kristen's at 4,200, so he has a big lead. He wagers 5,600, gets the clue. This title was recreated in 1301 when Edward I gave it to his son, who was born in Welsh. Carnarfon. Carnarfon. Ugh. Sorry. Welsh is alien to me, and I think Mm -hmm. it's so cool. Anyway, Dave, guess what is the confessor? Ken says, no, I'm sorry. Carnifan's in Wales. That's the Prince of Wales. So he he drops down. And at pick number eight, we get daily double number three. We're getting them all off the board early. It's at the $1,600 level of family drama, and Kristen finds it. She's at 6600 with Dave at 5600 and William at 1200 She wagers 3000 and she gets the clue the title character of this Ibsen play is revolted to discover she's pregnant and commits suicide with her father's pistol. And she gets that one correct. It is Hedda Gabler. was unaware of that play. I had heard of it, but I didn't know a single thing about it. Yikes. Ibsen. What are you doing, man? (laughs) All right. At the end of the double Jeopardy round, Dave is still in the lead at 13,200. William's at 3,600. Kristen's up to 10,000. The final Jeopardy category is Languages of Asia, and the clue is Meaning Palace. This word in the name of a UNESCO World Heritage Site, follows Jal and Lal in the names of other historic structures. William got it correct with what is Mahal, also following Taj. Uh, and he wagered everything. Kristen went with the other word and said, what is Taj? I think the clue there is following, right? Yeah. So you want to go for the second word. And she wagered 7,500. Dave also got it correct with what is Mahal. He was ruled correct. He wagered 6801, which is a cover bet, so he is an automatic semi-finalist. So we'll see him again in like three weeks, or however long it takes to get there. I don't know. Who knows? A while. Wait, no. Isn't it it just like a week and a half? Right? Maybe. I can't remember. I don't don't know. Probably. I don't know. I'm confused. (laughs) Alright. So that's the end of the week. I am the very beginning of the diamonds thing, so we have something to look forward to. It's got our, got its hooks in us, I guess. Uh, this is a point in the show where we remind you that we have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash potentpotables. You can go there to support us financially if you so desire. It helps us just be able to make the podcast without losing money on it, which I prefer to not lose money on things in general. So thank you to everyone who is doing it, and thank you to anyone who decides to. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash potentpotables. We got some exclusive content on there, so you can check it out. And we always want to point out that, obviously, there are things going on in the world that are more important than a podcast. And if you so desire to put some money or attention toward those, we have some causes that we think are important in the show notes obviously those are not the only important causes we are not trying to send any kind of political message or anything about that with what we have or don't have we just mm-hmm. think that they these particular ones are important and deserve some attention yep so you can find them down there all right emily yes we had, we had a few a, a good number of good topics this week 
What do you think we're talking about? Oh, goodness. Are we talking about Plato? We are not talking about Plato. He was the runner-up. Okay, how about Philip Marlowe? Not Philip Marlowe. Okay. It's a good guess, though. All right. What about asteroids? Not asteroids either. We are going all the way back to Monday in the Jeopardy round. There were two triple stumpers, so I'm really picking the category more than the clue. Um, But we talked about how Josh just kept giving the wrong gland. Oh, yep. So I'm going to talk about some glands, particularly ones in the endocrine system, because they're the ones that, in fact, all of the ones in that category were endocrine glands specifically. But they're the ones that kind of have more prominent and varied responsibilities. But I figured it would be a good thing because I know I have forgotten everything from high school biology about which gland does what and even maybe where they are. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about glands. I hope you're ready. Oh, I'm very yeah. excited. Oh, I was born ready. Let's go. <laughs> there are a lot of glands in the human body, turns out. Like over 50 different types of glands. So I'm not going to talk about all of them. I will probably not even mention all of them. I will mention some that are, you know, more prominent or more recognizable or that have a particular purpose. But all a gland is, it's a thing that secretes a thing. In animals, it's a group of cells that synthesize substances for release into the bloodstream if it's an endocrine gland, or into cavities inside the body or on its outer surface, that's an exocrine gland. So talking about the different types of glands, exocrine glands are really, I guess, easier to talk about because they're much more like straightforward. They secrete a substance onto an epithelial surface by way Mm. of a duct. You might be wondering, what does epithelial mean? Epithelium, or epithelial tissue, is a thin, continuous protective layer of compactly packed cells with a little intercellular matrix. They line the outer surfaces of organs and blood vessels throughout the body, as well as the inner surfaces of cavities of many internal organs. The epidermis has an example of an epithelium, or epithelial tissue. And so, like, between the matrix of cells, things can be secreted. Examples of exocrine glands include sweat glands, salivary glands, mammary glands, ceruminous glands, lacrimal glands, sebaceous glands, and the the prostate and mucous glands. So I guess the prostate isn't entirely in the endocrine system. It's also an exocrine gland because it does excrete something that goes outside the body. The liver and pancreas are both exocrine and endocrine glands. They're exocrine glands because they secrete products like bile and pancreatic juice into the gastrointestinal tract through a series of ducts. But they are also endocrine because they secrete other substances directly into the bloodstream. So that's pretty much it for like exocrine glands. Like those general ones, often you see the result of it or you we you know know about it and it's pretty clear. It makes a thing and that thing goes into that space mm, to do a particular yeah. thing, right? tears, Mm -hmm. sweat, bile, and all of that. But the endocrine glands are more complex, more, I don't know if you would consider them interesting, but 
They tend to deal more with hormones, which of course have wider ranges of impacts. There are a number of endocrine glands and organs, such as the hypothalamus, the pineal gland, the pituitary gland, thyroid, even things like the stomach, like we said, the liver, the pancreas, the kidneys and adrenal glands, and then reproductive glands as well, testes, ovaries, uterus, they all, even the placenta, I guess, is technically like a uterine organ when pregnant. And then certain things like even like bones have some endocrine properties as well. So I'll talk a bit, a little bit about a few of them and what they do. If we're going to talk about any of them, we got to talk about the pituitary gland. That's mm-hmm. the one that everyone knows about, right? It's the one when you say like gland, it's like, oh, we think of the pituitary. We learn it all in, in school. It's an endocrine gland in vertebrates. It is located at the base of the brain, protruding off of the bottom of the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus, I talked about in my brain deep dive, so you can go back to learn more about that. But the hypothalamus helps secrete a lot of different hormones, including thyrotropin-releasing hormone, TRH, dopamine, growth hormone, releasing hormone, GRHR, that's funny, oxytocin, vasopressin, and a a number of others. I'm not going to get into what different hormones or neurotransmitters do, because that's an entirely different topic. But the hypothalamus is a big part of it. And the pituitary gland comes off of the bottom of the hypothalamus. Uh, Hormones secreted from the pituitary gland help control growth, blood pressure, energy management, all functions of sex organs, thyroid glands, metabolism, as well as some aspects of pregnancy, childbirth, breastfeeding, water salt concentration at the kidneys, temperature regulation, and pain relief. So your pituitary and your hypothalamus, they are really important. If there's something wrong with those, things can go pretty bad. The pituitary gland is kind of separated into two, I guess, halves, the posterior and the anterior. The posterior does some stuff but it's the part that's kind of attached to the hypothalamus so it's less kind of independent it releases the hormones the an antidiuretic hormone known as vasopressin as well as oxytocin which works from the hypothalamus the anterior though that's where we get more of the kind of unique pituitary stuff we get somatotropes such as the human growth hormone corticotropes these are really long words but hormone such as ACTH and beta endorphin and melanocyte stimulating hormones. We get the thyrotropes, which are thyroid stimulating hormones. So when the thyroid needs to do something, the pituitary gland tells it to do it. Gonadotropes, which are when the gonads need to do something, the pituitary gland tells it. Lactotropes, like prolactin, as well as other other hormones like oxytocin, vasopressin as well. So the pituitary gland, like I said, controls a whole bunch of stuff. It's a very important one. So if you're not sure, if you if there's like, what gland does this thing, and you really have no idea, the pituitary is probably the right guess. Also in the brain, we have the pineal gland or pineal gland. It is a pinecone-shaped, unpaired midline brain structure. It forms part of the epithalamus in the brain. Uh, and it's attached attached to the rest of the brain by what's called the pineal stalk. 
The pineal gland is not isolated from the body by the blood-brain barrier. Uh, it has profuse blood flow, second only to the kidneys, which I thought was interesting. One function of the pineal gland hmm. is to produce melatonin, which functions in the central nervous system, helps uh, modulate sleep patterns. Melatonin production is stimulated by darkness and inhibited by light. So when your retina detects light, it sends a signal to the brain in general, which gets to the pineal gland, which tells it to stop producing melatonin. And when there's not light, it tells you to start producing melatonin in a very basic sense. Mm-hmm. Studies on rodents suggest that the pineal gland can influence the pituitary's gland secretion of sex hormones. The pineal gland contains receptors for the regulatory neuropeptide endothelin-1, which causes a calcium-mediated increase in pineal glucose metabolism. So studies suggest that it might have a role in bone production as well, or new bone deposition. That's the pineal gland. Moving on, we want to talk about the thyroid. It's an endocrine gland in vertebrates. In humans, it's in the neck and consists of two connected lobes. Kind of butterfly uh, looking, right? Yeah. They're connected by a thin band of tissue called the isthmus, which mm. makes sense. It's a butterfly-shaped gland located at the neck below the Adam's apple. The thyroid gland secretes three hormones. Two thyroid hom- hormones, triod triiodithyronine and thyroxine (laughs) and a peptide hormone calcitonin. The thyroid hormones influence the metabolic rate and protein synthesis and growth and development in children and calcitonin plays a role in calcium homeostasis. To boil that down, make it maybe a little more clear, thyroid is the main gland that really works with your metabolism and protein synthesis, so like Sometimes, for instance, our family dog had a thyroid problem that went undiagnosed for the first eight years of her life, and she just kept gaining weight and gaining weight. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we we promise, like, each each subsequent vet that looked at her, we're like, well, cut her food and take her for walks. And we're like, we do that. She is starving. I am <laughs> confident she's not getting enough food. I'm sorry I, they were fat shaming your dog. The same thing happens yeah. to human with thyroid problems. <laughs> Right. I know. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like, we'll just eat better and be better. And like, exactly. and like for us, it's like, we, we promise we're not being negligent dog owners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until finally, her seventh vet or whatever in her life was like, hmm, there's that. And there's this. And there's this. She might have a thyroid problem. And lo and behold, we got her on thyroid medicine. And in a month, she dropped like 30 pounds. Oh, like, you're <laughs> Oh, she was over a hundred pounds. She was I'm a so sorry. she <laughs> was a real chunker. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just sorry that the, the vets kept blaming you instead of figuring. I out, know oh, it's like uh, you don't even want to check now. I have a whole I have a whole thing about this. I yeah. have a whole thing about this. And it's like I'm not a medical professional. I'm not the one who's supposed to realize that this is a gland <sighs> issue, right? That's your job, anyway. Yeah, the multitude of now now animal and human stories that I've encountered of medical professionals missing that it was a medical issue causing the weight gain and being like, just lose weight, then you won't have medical issues. Yeah, it's like, could, so could you just could you just check? I'm gonna pay for it anyway. Yep. How about you just check? Huh? I, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's the thyroid 
does that also has plays a role in like i said calcium stuff and in children if a child is having weird or like un, unusual growth patterns either you know too too much or too little or whatever it could be hyperthyroidism hypothyroidism that kind of thing there are many variants in the size and shape of the thyroid gland and in the position of the embedded parathyroid glands there is often or, or at least sometimes a third lobe present called the pyramidal lobe it stretches up to the hyoid bone from the isthmus and maybe one to several divided lobes. Presence of the lobe ranges in reported studies from 18.3% to 44.6%. And it's probably just a remnant of a duct, which was like part of the development of the gland that may or may not have disappeared through a person's development. So thyroids can look different. They have a bunch of variety. So there you go. And then I'm going to talk about the adrenal glands. They are also known as the suprarenal glands because they sit on top of the kidneys. They produce a variety of hormones, including adrenaline and the steroids aldosterone and cortisol. Everyone loves cortisol. Each gland has an outer cortex, which produces steroid hormones and an inner medulla. But notably, they are different shaped. So, like, the right one is more of, like, a pyramid shape, and the left one is more ovular. It's it's very interesting. Your left adrenal gland is a different shape than your right one, which I think is just kind of, kind of fascinating that that's, huh. like, a common thing. Like, that's a regular thing for humans, that it's like, yeah. this one is different than that one. Because hmm. um, so much of our body is, like, kind of symmetrical. Yeah. Anyway. The adrenal cortex itself is divided into three main zones. The zona glomerulosa, the zona fasciculata, and the zona reticularis, in case you ever hear those. I'm not going to get into the specifics of all of the different hormones or, you know, you can break them down into, into smaller categories. But the big ones to remember, it, they create adrenaline. Makes sense. They're the adrenal glands. And they're also responsible for producing cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which is useful in actually stressful situations where you need to survive, not useful in most of the things we run into in our lives. Uh, a number of endocrine diseases involve dysfunctions of the adrenal gland. Overproduction of cortisol leads to Cushing's syndrome, whereas insufficient production is associated with Addison's disease. I'm not going to get into those either, but we want to associate those. Addison's disease, Cushing's syndrome, uh, go with adrenal gland malfunction, particularly with cortisol. So those are the big ones that I wanted to talk about. You know, I mentioned others, of course. They're the reproductive organs, the ovaries and testes and everything. Those primarily are responsible for producing and excreting sex hormones, testosterone or progesterone or estrogen, which apparently, which actually there are like different kinds of estrogen and also androstenedione. Gosh, these, these names. But hopefully everyone who's listening went through sex ed. So like you have learned that and you know how that goes. I'll name a few others. I'm not going to get into what they do. There are, of course, like I said, mammary glands, they produce milk. There are Mall's glands, which are in the eyelids and they help keep your eyes good. <laughs> like, how do I describe <laughs> this? Comfortable and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, there are, like I said, the, the prostate, which surrounds the urethra just below the bladder a lot of 
I don't think a lot of people actually know precisely where it is. We just know it's kind of down there <laughs> until until you know it has to be found. They're like Weber's glands, which are in the tongue, and they produce mucus. The uterine glands, or endometrial glands, mm. which are in the uterus, and they produce a thing called histotroph, which in parentheses I see here as uterine milk. What? And I did I did not look into that because I don't know that I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I saw it. And I was like, I will mention it. And that is what I will do. There are other ones like goblet cells, which create mucus in the respiratory and digestive tract, gastric and Wassmann's glands, which are in the stomach. And then apocrine sweat glands are in the skin. So the, the term apocrine is associated with sweat glands in the skin. Hmm. Cool. So hopefully that at least puts some information with certain things, maybe gives it a little bit more clarity to distinguish between the different kinds of glands. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Nice. All right. Are you ready for a quiz? Absolutely, I am. Okay. Each of these questions is determined by a different area of the body where we found one of the glands that we talked about. And that's really all it is. They have nothing to do with glands. In, in reality. So, here we go. Question one. Video game question. Brain. As you, Emily, are fully aware, pregnancy brain and mom brain commonly afflict pregnant and postpartum mothers with brain fog and memory troubles and fatigue. Thankfully, new moms are not afflicted with mother brain, the cybernetic superbrain in control of the titular alien species from what Nintendo franchise? In numerous installments of the 36-year-old game series, she is defeated by the constant protagonist, Samus Aran. Ah. Samus is in Super Smash Bros., and that is all that's coming to me right now. Samus is in Super Smash Bros., which is what I would... Do people call it bros, or is that just my kids who have seen B-R-O-S, period, and decided... No, pretty much everyone calls it Super Smash Bros. Okay, I don't, cool. If you if you call it Super Smash Brothers to a person, they'll they'll be like, "Well, look at you, Mister Fancy Pants." <laughs> okay, all right, cool. <laughs> hmm, I'm sure it's a video game franchise I've heard of. Titular, it's like alien an alien species. Alien. Okay. For a while, my son was sure that that character was named Seamus because he remembered that. <laughs> The name Seamus is, is spelled in a way that doesn't look like it should say Seamus. In the same way that Sean is. <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. But no, yeah. it is it is in fact Samus. Yeah. Or in Japanese, Samusu. I'm not coming up with it. So almost completely sure this is incorrect, but I have thought of a video game that has a title that seems to be the little creatures in it. So I'm going to say Pikmin and let's find out what it actually is. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Pikmin. No, it is Metroid. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes. Metroid. Mother brain is the, is the big bad in a lot of them. There are a lot of Metroid games, so not all of them, but she is the cybernetic super brain that controls Mm -hmm. the Metroids. Cool. Yeah. All right. I figured that one was kind of like a know it or you don't. You're not. Yeah. So that's why I put it first. All right. Question two. 
Hearts. In the Black Lady variant of the game Hearts, which happens to be the most popular variant in the U.S., how many total points are available in a hand? A hand consists of the entire series of tricks played until all cards have been discarded. I can give you a hint if you need a hint. Alright, give me a hint. Each card in the heart suit is worth one point, and the Black Lady has her own value. I don't know if you've ever played hearts. I have, but it's <laughs> been like 15 or more years since the last time I played hearts. Sure. Oh. I don't know if this matters to you, but it is the gematric ge number being the sum of the Hebrew characters being the name of the God of Israel. <laughs> oh. All right. Hold on a second. I have no idea. I I am just reading that off of the screen. I have no okay. idea what that really means. <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm going to say 26. That is correct. Oh! Uh, it's fascinating. Someday we will talk about Gematria, which I know very little about, but I knew enough to write down yod heh vav -Heh, and I remembered my Hebrew alphabet, and I assigned a number to each of them, and I added them up, and there we go. And that's, that's it. You, yes, it is 26. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, so there are 13 cards in each suit, so each heart card is worth one point, and mm -hmm. then the Queen of Spades is worth 13 to match. So 13 and 13. All right, nice. You got 10 points. That. Ooh. We that, had to go to hint, hit like the second tier of hints, but then we, then we found the one. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, like I think I think it was the right hint for the right person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question three. Neck. The Kion or Kion are a subgroup of the Red Karen or Kareni people, also known as the Long Neck Kareni, a minority group primarily found in what country? We have many Kareni immigrants and refugees in my community, which is not terribly surprising given the willingness of that country's government to target ethnic minorities. And I can give you a hint if you need some more specificity. Yeah, I'll take a hint. A different group was much more recently in the news for being essentially ethnically cleansed. Would you like me to give me that give you that group? Sure. The Rohingya? Oh, I was heading in the wrong direction. Where are they? F I know I'm going to be able to get that. Uh, thinking Myanmar. Yeah, I'm going to go with Myanmar. It is Myanmar. Very nice. Yeah, the Karen are kind of Tibeto-Burman. Like a a, ver a variety of different tribes and, and like kind of subcultures that all mm -hmm. kind of fit into the Karen or Kareni yeah. people, which apparently, like I said, I have a lot of families in our, in our community. I had a lot of students who came into the country, like were, were put in my class and they only spoke Karen. And I was like, I cannot even begin to approach this because to my knowledge, there's not an effective, even Karen to English dictionary, let alone real resources to be able to like access their language. But yeah, Myanmar, not a great place for people who are not the majority. Let's move on. Question four, skin. I am not a horror movie fan at all. I avoid them when I can. However, given the spooky time of year, I feel it appropriate that I ask about one. Leatherface 
a human skin wearing murderer who wields the titular tool, is the antagonist of what horror classic? He is based on the real life Ed Gain, but there are notable differences. Particularly, Gain only murdered two people that we know of, and did so in Plainfield, Wisconsin. I think it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Have you seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, man, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't watch horror movies. I just don't do it. I get nightmares, and I just, yeah. it's not worth it. But yeah, I did, though, read up about Ed Gain, and gosh, that's disturbing. Also nightmares. Yeah, like, uh, oh, okay, so that was fun. Mm-hmm. All right, nice. You're at 30 mm-hmm. points. Question five. My pronunciation is probably going to be kind of off on some of this, but Pin Ngua, Kada Hop, Pizzle, and Huevos de Toro are all dishes made from what? Okay, so Pizzle I recognize because that is the sole ingredient listed in if you buy bully sticks for your dog. You Okay, <laughs> you do buy bully sticks. All right, I wondered. Like... I wonder what that is. I've never heard of that. And I looked it up. And that is that 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 one's cow penis. But huevos de toro sounds like it's not it's got to be more general. I'm going to guess like animal genitals. That's exactly it. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Gosh, my Google history or my search history is messed up. I'm like Ed Gain and food made out of genitals. <laughs> um, no, that I'm I'm definitely hidden some watch lists now. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Nice. Anyway, all right. I don't think I need to say more about that. Moving on. Moving Your final final category is kidneys. I don't know how confident I am. I think you uh, should be like, very confident. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll. You think I should be very confident, so I'll, I'll wager it all. Okay, here we go. I think you should be very confident about this because we literally talked about it within the last week. In a 2005 internet classic, whose kidney is stolen when he reluctantly accompanies a pink and blue companion to Candy Mountain? Candy Mountain. Charlie. Charlie. The unicorn. The unicorn is correct. <laughs> yes. I picked kidneys and I was like, I can't get away from that. <laughs> I'm glad you went there because I think if you hadn't, I might be bringing Candy Mountain back up right now. Candy so. Mountain. Come on, Charlie. We're going to Candy Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a magical uh, You know, when, when people had to work so much harder to make internet content, it really was better. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. Or, well, I shouldn't say that the average quality was higher. Yeah. Now you can just turn on your phone and TikTok yourself dancing poorly. And apparently that is a thing. God, I, I'm, I'm such a crotchety old man, but like <laughs> when I see teenagers, like do their like not good dances as they record themselves. I'm like, come on guys. It, anyway, you did great. Yes. Thank what do you. we get? What do we get? Four, I think it's 80, 80 points. 80 yeah, points. 80 points. I'll take it. Well done. By George. <laughs> Thank you. This was delightful as always. 
And thank you listeners for spending your time with us. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating or review if you have a minute to do that. If you want to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash potentpotables. And if you have friends who like Jeopardy, let them know about us. You can all find us on Facebook at Potent Potables, on Twitter at Potent Potables 1. Our email address is potentpotablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with another week of Jeopardy. And until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker. Mm-hmm.